أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome back to Ramadan reflections this being the eighth day of the blessed month of Ramadan and as we continue in our review and our theme of being in, in, in the presence of the Prophet how would it have been like to live and interact with the Messenger of Allah obviously there are some aspects of his life that we would have been blessed to be a part of and to witness firsthand up close and personal and there are other aspects of his life that we will be reviewing that we have reviewed that we will continue to review which we would never be privy to there are certain aspects of the man which transcend our human understanding and one of those is what we want to touch upon today that initial revelation that came to the prophet as we have been mentioning that he is born as an or comes into this world as an orphan he loses his mother he then loses his grandfather he is then brought up by his uncle abu talib peace be upon him he becomes a businessman of sorts he helps in the trade caravans of the quraysh he then takes on the role of being the manager of the caravan of lady khadija peace be upon her and eventually he ends up marrying Umm al-Mu'mineen Khadija bint Khawailid, peace be upon her. From that time on, from the age of 25, for about 15 years, meaning that four, the first 40 years of his life, the Prophet Muhammad, may God bless him and his family, lives in and around the city of Mecca. People ask this question, or these questions rather, did he have a religion he was following? Did the Holy Prophet profess any religion before his appointment to his prophetic mission? If so, what religion was that? Supposing that he was a follower of another religion, was it his own religion or was it something different? If he was a follower of another religion, was that religion revealed to him independently? And he followed it independently or was he reckoned to be one of the first of the followers of that religion? And if he acted on the religion independently or as a follower, to which of the former prophets did that religion belong to? Now, without a doubt, such questions come into the minds of the believers, but really such questions and their answers are in a way irrelevant and actually pointless to dwell as uh, we know for certain that he was a believer in the one true God, which his forefathers, Prophet Ibrahim, prophets Ibrahim, Ismail, Ishaq, Yaqub, Musa, Isa, peace be upon all of them, propagated. So in actual reality, we can say, yes, he did follow a religion. He was a Muslim. He submitted to the one God, the one true God. He wasn't a polytheist. We know that for that 40 years, the first 40 years of his life, of living a life of modesty and chastity, honesty and truthfulness, uprightness and righteousness, goodness and kindness, help to the oppressed, care for the needy and a hatred for the idols and idol worship and all that was evil in the city of Mecca. In fact, <clears throat> in those days leading up to the Prophet's official appointment from the age of, you know, early on until his prophethood days, whenever the polytheists would take an oath by the idols of Lat and Uzza, he would be disgraced and would say that those are not, those are rather the most obnoxious things. And that these are two idols which the Arabs take an oath with that he could never concede and understand. Besides this, as history tells us, he would continuously be praying in the cave of Hira during the month of Ramadan and even outside of the month of Ramadan. And we believe that he performed Hajj actually time after time. 
And according to a hadith from a sixth Imam, Imam Jafar al-Sadiq, may God's peace and blessings be upon him. He says that the noble Prophet Muhammad, may, God's bless, may God bless him and his family, performed Hajj secretly ten times. And according to another narration, he did Hajj actually over twenty times. Similarly, the Prophet always remembered Allah when taking his meals, and he refrained from eating the meat of the animals which had been slaughtered in an unlawful manner, and which were slaughtered by the name of the idols or in the honor of the idols. He was very much disturbed to see the obscene scenes in Mecca, the wine drinking, the gambling, so much so that he sought asylum and protection in the mountains of Mecca and would only return home at night to ensure that his eyes would not see all the evil and sin and debauchery happening around him. It was, however, in the early hours of the 27th of Rajab, <clears throat> when the Prophet was 40 years old, that Allah calls him to the ultimate station. He was in the cave of Hira on the mountain of light, when the archangel Jibra'il, peace be upon him, came to him with the first few words of the Qur'an. The, verse, the verses which we review today are, are from chapter number 96, Surah Al-Alaq. Verses number 1 through to 5 where Allah says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Iqrah bismi rabbikal ladhi khalak, khalakal insana min alak, Iqrah wa rabbukal akram, alladhi allama bil qalam, allamal insana malam ya'alam. In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful, read in, read in and with the name of your Lord who has created, created human from a clot clinging to the wall of the womb. Read, and your Lord is the all-munificent, the one who has taught human by the pen, taught the human being what he did not know. Right then and there, the Prophet recognized and knew what had just occurred. When Jibra'il came in his angelic form and the Prophet witnessed him, this was the moment that he had been preparing for for the last 40 years. And actually, some may argue that this is the moment that Allah had been preparing the Prophet for since the day that he went from the world before this world into the loins of Prophet Adam all the way until reaching to his father Abdullah. May God's peace and blessings be upon him. This is the day that he was waiting for and preparing for. This is the day on the 27th of Rajab, my brothers and sisters, that he began his official deputyship as the final messenger of Allah, bringing the teachings of Allah to humanity full circle. His task would be mammoth. It would be to warn humanity. Yes, it would start with the Quraysh, but it would be to humanity in general. But first and foremost, before you can tackle the world, <clears throat> he had to tackle his community, the people of Mecca. From there, his family, and then ultimately, the entire known world and beyond until today. Now what happened actually when he received these first five verses? We obviously were not there. There are no eyewitnesses other than Imam Ali, peace be upon him, to explain some of the details. Unfortunately, some Muslims claim that the Prophet tried to commit suicide by jumping off a mountain. That he didn't know what was happening. He was confused, he was perplexed, he was bewitched maybe. However, in the teachings of the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them, the teachings of logic actually, the reality is that he was not scared or bewitched or bewildered. 
He was calm and in his full senses and his rightful mind. He was, this is the day, as I said, that he had been waiting for for the last 40 years. In Tafsir Namuna, Ayatollah Nasim Akaram Shirazi mentions the following. He says that when Jibra'il, peace be upon him, came to the Prophet, he said to him, O Muhammad, read. The Prophet replied, I am not one who reads. I don't read. Not that I cannot read, I don't read. Jibra'il, we're then told, takes a hold of the Prophet and squeezes him three times, every time saying, read. The Prophet would reply in a similar way until finally the third time, Jibra'il squeezes him and he says, read. And at that point, when he says, what should I read? Jibra'il says, ikra, bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq. Read or recite in the name of your Lord that created. This marks the beginning of the revelation of the Qur'an in the cave of Hira, on the mountain of light in the month of Rajab, on the 27th of the month of Rajab, the day that we celebrate as Mab'ath. And with that began the official appointment to this new faith, this rejuvenation of the past faiths through a new set of teachings. However, before this, before all of this, as he leaves the cave of Hira, he descends the mountain and he makes his way a few kilometers back home to the city of Mecca. The experience has happened, the verses have come down. He's in his rightful state of mind. He's jubilated that now Allah has given him the go-ahead with the mission. And the first thing he does is goes back home to Ummul Mu'mineen Khadija bint Khawailid. May God's peace and blessings be upon her for infinity. And he says to her two words. Zammiluni wa Cover me and wrap me up in my cloak so that I can take a break, I can take a rest. And incidentally, from these two words, Zammiluni and Dathiruni, we get Al Muzammil, the Surah Al Muzammil, and Surah Al Muddathir of the Quran. We move on in this review, and you know, and we have to mention that any hadith or historical reports, no matter who wrote them, who related them, what book they are in, what authoritative source they may be that cast any doubt on the Prophet and his acceptance of the mission, or doubt if that the Prophet didn't even know that he was a Prophet, or that he needed to go to a Christian monk to confirm his prophethood, are all baseless, worthless claims that people have made to insult the Messenger of Allah. <clears throat> How does Imam Ali, peace be upon him, fit into this equation? Because in Najul Balagha, in sermon 192, Imam gives a very, uh, it's a very lengthy sermon obviously, as many of the sermons were, but I'm going to give you a few portions of it, where he speaks about those, that first day actually. And Imam Ali says the following, he says, From the time of his weaning, Allah had put a mighty angel with him to take him along the path of a high character and good behavior through day and night while I used to follow him like a young camel following in the footprints of its mother. Every day he would show me in the form of a banner some of his high traits and command me to follow it. Every year he used to go in seclusion to the cave of Hira, where I saw him, but no one else saw him. In those days Islam did not exist in any house except that of the Prophet of Islam, blessings and peace of Allah be upon him and his descendants, and Khadija, while I was the third after these two. I used to see and watch the effulgence of divine revelation and message and breathe the, the scent of prophethood. When the revelation descended on the Prophet of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and his descendants, I heard the moan of Satan, 
I said, O Prophet of Allah, what is this moan? And he replied, This is Satan, who has lost all hope of being worshipped. O Ali, you see all that I see, and you hear all that I hear, except that you are not a prophet, but you are a vicegerent, and you are surely on the path of virtue. Brothers and sisters, as we conclude, we remind ourselves that the Prophet was very well knowledgeable of his prophethood. His, the beginning of his revelation was not one of mystery and confusion and doubt and anxiety and stress and, God forbid, the desire to commit suicide. No, his beginning of his prophethood was one on a path of basira, of true insight. Join us tomorrow on the ninth day of the month of Ramadan as we continue in the life of the Prophet and we look at the topic of the op open propagation of the message of Islam. Before going to the family, what was the Prophet doing in the early years after receiving this first revelation and beyond? Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.